This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi Williams, and you're listening to the sports business podcast that is advertising on your favorite NHL team, the Sportacast. I was going to say breast pocket advertising podcast or something. You're three by three and a half podcast. I don't know, but at least you did something. But you are referencing for those who were not paying attention, Mr. Novi Williams. By the way, uh, you're several days removed from running how many miles and how are you feeling before I introduce? How are you feeling? Uh, I'm running about 88 miles. Uh, I am feeling okay. Honestly, to be, I wish my legs felt worse because then I could justify not being able to finish better. But the fact that I'm I'm up and mobile walking around. Well, maybe you just recovered quickly. Fine. Yeah, there you go. I'm superhuman in the recovery side, just not in the running side. We were in the office uh, the other day. You, you were a little slow up and down the steps and around. You were a little slow. Yeah, le- legs were tight. Not going to lie. Legs were definitely tight. All right, but your keyboard and your fingers were fast because you handled the keyboard typing on a story we broke that the NHL owners had unanimously approved jersey advertisements, not for this coming season, but for the 22-23 season. So what teams can now do is go out and shop deals. Now, this isn't exactly new in sports because (laughs) other leagues have done it. The NBA got a lot of press for it. But I will tell you, Novi Williams, I I didn't measure impressions. I did ask our social media editor, Cora Veltman, like halfway through the day. And I believe your tweet on the subject had well over a million impressions on Twitter at a midday. People really cared about this. So what's your takeaway on the NHL joining MLS um, and the NBA in allowing Jersey sponsorship? Yeah, it's funny. It's it's rare for anything that, that we or I tweet to get that number of impressions, that number of responses. Uh, but I do feel like we have a pretty good handle now on how a lot of NHL fans handled the news. Uh, and I was surprised, Scott, there, there's a lot of, of people who are upset about this. Um, and the reason I say I'm surprised is that I don't think this has been, it certainly was not a secret that the NHL was considering this. The NHL also made a, a, a step in this direction last year when they put ads, little, little advertising decals on their helmets, which I don't remember being met with this kind of vitriol that I was seeing yesterday. But it certainly seems as though from, from most of the responses I was seeing, a lot of NHL fans are angry about kind of the, the encroachment of advertising onto the sweater and also concerned that this is a slippery slope that gets us to what you might see if you were watching a hockey game in Europe 
which is kind of a comical level of advertising across the shirt, the helmet, the pants. Some of these teams look like NASCAR cars. Should we get the, yeah, the Bill Francification of the uniform? Exactly. So there's there's anger from from NHL fans. I'll let you tell the great David Stern story if you want to. But I think you and I probably agree that a lot of the people out there saying they'll never buy an NHL jersey again are just showing how much they actually care about the NHL in general. Yeah, and and I always go back to Stern because I, I do chuckle that you know he he was in an elevator once and we were together and one of his employees stepped in. And I don't remember whether it was a Nike or it was a, an Adidas. I, I really don't remember what the brand was. But there was the huge brand across the chest. And then, you know, somewhere the little uh, Jerry West logo in the upper left-hand corner or whatever. And David looked at this person. And, and believe me, at the NBA back then, the worst thing in the world was to have the elevator stop on the 15th floor and like David get in because you knew you were going to be tested for however many floors you were doing that ride. People, that was the worst thing in the world that could happen to you. And you better have answers. But David looked at that person and said, when did their brand become more important than our brand? Like he want, It mattered that the NBA part was small. But he also told me, and we've talked about this uh, before, about sports betting and the like, that they were willing to do things when the money warranted it. It wasn't just let's do it to do it. When there was enough money at stake, that's when leagues or at least his league was willing to move on something and we should say that the helmet ads weren't just a rev generator they were in response to covid response to no fans and they were about giving existing sponsors more value because they weren't getting everything with no fans uh, in in the building so clearly if you're going to play all these games on tv and the logo can make an appearance. It's an add-on. It's added value. We saw the three-year pilot program in the NBA. And you know now, let's talk about the money, Eben. How much did the NBA bring in? And what do you think the NHL is looking at for the same number of games? So the NHL, the NBA program um, was about $150 million a year across the entire league. That varied pretty dramatically, Scott, as you know, by team. Some teams were signing deals in the in the three to five million dollar range. Other teams like the Warriors were signing deals in the twenty million dollar range. I think we're gonna see in the NHL as well a pretty wide gap here. The the, the deal that the Toronto Maple Leafs get for the the shoulder or the or, or the or the sleeve on their jersey is gonna be a lot bigger than the deal that the Arizona Coyotes get. That's just should we have some news. fun? Should we should we have some fun put on Twitter? Let let let's guess. Like we'll pick five and we'll guess to see which spot will it be existing sponsors? Will it be added value? Will it be new sponsorship? Like which companies are going to end up on the jerseys of, like, say, a select five team? Yeah, it's it's again. There's some that we might be able to guess. My my inclination would be that that we're going to see. You mentioned the helmet decals. A lot of those across the league went to existing partners. I think we may see more new partners coming in on on the on the jersey deal. One area that I'm certainly interested in, Scott. I think you are too. Sports betting. That sports books are going to be allowed to buy up some of this inventory as long as sports betting is legal in the jurisdiction where the team plays. As you know, there's a lot of money being spent right now by these teams. These these companies, they're all looking for new, innovative ways to get their name out there. I would be shocked if, if when all 32 NHL teams have partners, if there were not at least a few of them that were sports book operators as they look to kind of grow their market share across the U.S. and across Canada. I, I just marvel, by the way, you said at the vitriol at some of it that we saw. I can't believe that fans aren't just used to this by now. 
uh, when when Bud Selig added the wild card, people went nuts. Or was that Manfred? I can't even remember when it happened. But I mean, all all the all the the vitriol and all the shock and awe and dismay. It's such wasted energy. There's a three by three and a half inch patch. I don't care if they plastered like they do in European soccer. I mean, people do realize that some of the most famous jerseys in the world that are that are one is fashion statements have company logos on them, right? Like, so what? I just don't get this whole the, the purity of the jersey of the excuse me, should I say sweater if we're talking about the NHL? Yes, the iconic Maple Leaf or Le Habitant in Montreal. I mean, come on, get over it, folks. It's just a little ahead. Uh, the world has changed. You're coming off seasons where there were no fans. If you want to argue that these teams didn't lose money and that there was a serious diminution in revenue, um, I, I don't know where you're coming from, but they're looking to make it up wherever they can. Yeah, I, I don't watch much NBA games, but I, I can tell you personally, anecdotally, my enjoyment of NBA games did not change at all once the patch came on. I do watch a decent amount of hockey, uh, and I I barely notice the helmets after after five games. Maybe um, I don't think I could sit here right now and and tell you five teams that wh- what their helmet partner was. I think in some ways these just blend into the background. And you're right, Scott. U.S. sports fans need to be used to this because I've the leagues that haven't done this yet are all talking about it. Major League Baseball owners have been discussing this for years. They've sold patches on their jersey for international games. I would not be shocked if in five years, Major League Baseball teams also have a little three-inch by three-inch patch on their jerseys. We're dipping the toe, Eben. You know, they they already got, like, the umpires now have the the ad on their their shirts, their chest Exactly, exactly. So this is is something that's going to become a bigger and bigger part. I I don't know if we're ever going to get to the the big time European soccer, European sports model, although we are in some sports, right? Like MLS and WNBA. Exactly, exactly. Um, But yes, the the idea of jerseys being an area where there are no logos is is kind of quickly disappearing. One last thing, Scott, I do want to mention, because a lot of people in on Twitter seem to be assuming, implying that the, the jerseys that would be sold at stores would automatically have this patch on there. I think we're a little uncertain about whether that is true right now. I think in the NBA, it was an option between the team and the partner. So a lot of teams chose to sell their replica NBA jerseys without the patch. And then some, I believe the Orlando Magic, where one of them chose to sell their jerseys with the patch. So I think a lot of the the, the response from fans may kind of hinge on whether they can get this jersey without the ad if they want it, or if they have to buy it with the ad on it. I'm going to give two words for those that don't, and it's not an iron-on. Two words. Ready? I, I don't know. Those who do some sewing will probably know this. Seam ripper. If you've <laughs> never used a seam ripper and you really like to cut it off, go ahead and cut it off. Like Orlando, wasn't that, that was that a Disney deal? That was a Disney deal. All right. Yes. Well, it makes sense to me because if you are a business, any business, and let's not forget, these are businesses. If you're any business in Orlando, you probably want a good relationship with Disney. Just saying. <laughs> the seam ripper, Scott. That's a genius idea. And speaking of genius, oh, let's move, that let's was move really on. <laughs> good. That was really good. Kudos to you. Let's move on. Genius Sports, a company we talk a lot about, sports data giant, uh, has a new hire. Steve Bornstein, longtime sports media executive, did long stints at the NFL and at ABC and ESPN. Scott, tell me about Steve, his background, and what this might mean for Genius. 
are you like just uh, sending it over to the old man for like, I can give you the decades of <laughs> retrospective here. You're like, yeah, tell me more about Steve Bornstein. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you're not familiar with the work of Steve Bornstein, I will just sum it up this way and I'll get more specific, of course. But if in the world of sports television, we would create a South Dakota Mount Rushmore, you're making the argument that Steve Bornstein's on on the on the mountain, right? You're, you're carving his you're carving his likeness into the mountain with Dick, alongside Dick Ebersol and, and some of the others. Um, I mean, he programmed ESPN like he was the president of ESPN at the start. There would be no Sports Center without Steve Bornstein. He launched the NFL Network. When you see sports television as it is presented today. And he hasn't quite, of course, he was here before the streaming got, but I'm very interested to see where he goes and what he does with with sort of the, the genius and the data and how you present it. But when you see highlights and game sports presentation, you are seeing the work of Steve Bornstein. He had a hand in all of it. He had a hand in Monday night football sort of going to Sunday night, that sort of package going to Sunday night. So if you're unfamiliar with the work and you're saying, why is this a big deal? Uh, Genius just did a deal with the NFL not long ago. They are getting into content creation for not only sportsbook, but for media partners. And to have Steve Bornstein leading their North American efforts, you can guarantee that you're going to get uh, quality, creativity, and some very interesting presentation. So uh, everybody I've talked to said, great hire for Genius Sports. Yeah, as the as the, the the lines continue to blur here between sports betting and sports media, you're right. A lot of these companies and geniuses is one of them, constantly looking at ways that they can expand their core business into areas of media. Um, and to to give you a sense of how much Genius cares about this, look at some of the the biggest hires they've had in the last year. David Levy, former Turner Broadcasting boss, he's the chairman of Genius Sports now. They recently added Kim Bradley Williams to their board. She was the COO of the NFL Network, and now Steve Bornstein, who who ran the NFL's media efforts and NFL Network uh, for a long time. So so just in those three names alone, you get a sense of how important media is to the future of a company that for right now at least makes the bulk of its money from selling data to sports books. Yeah. And they, and they just bought a company that turns data into video content. Yeah. Think about your DraftKings, your Fandles, your sports books there. Think about watching the game on your TV or computer with a whole host of other things, either alongside it or second screen experience, as we've talked about ad nauseum that, um, again, I was one of the beta testers for Steve Ballmer's uh, Court Vision you know, product. It made me dizzy. My son loved it. He could track it. it. That that increased gamification, the video gamification of what broadcast will become, especially in sports. I, I can't wait to see what Steve Bornstein does when he when he gets his hands on the controls. Staying in this little corner of the of the sports and data industry, a, a, a competitor of, of Genius Sports, Sport Radar, uh, also made some news this week, Scott. They filed the early paperwork with the SEC to start their IPO process. Uh, if you remember, listeners, we talked a lot earlier this year about Sport Radar. They had a, a, a deal in place to go public via acquisition in a SPAC led by Todd Boley. That deal ultimately failed to materialize, and they kind of broke off talks and now going the IPO route. Um, but it does seem, Scott, like we are going to get this long, long-awaited IPO from Sport Radar at some point relatively soon. 
Yeah, the valuation in the SPAC deal was about, what, $10 billion? $10, 10 that, billion. that opened up a lot of eyes, yeah. Uh, the pipe at that point, the um, sort of the public money in private equity, that had dried up a bit, made, that complicated the deal. Um, but we, we haven't really seen the valuation yet. There are some numbers thrown out there, but they should have changed throughout the process. Yep. But again, Radar you know, was the 800-pound gorilla in this space. Uh, lots of deals, competitor of genius. Um, very interested to see what sort of institutional money goes in and and where where they go once they are a public company. And speaking from a journalist standpoint, I think you and I would both agree here. Um, once both these companies are public, we get a really good, a, a better, easier, clearer, transparent sense of their finances, the, the deals that they're making, how their business is growing. Um, I'm fascinated just because of how big these two companies are and how they essentially compete with each other for pretty much every deal that yeah. is out there. I'm fascinated to to once we are able to kind of directly compare the two along those lines. Well, let's not forget also that Genius hired Rob Pietroforte as like sort of a head of M&A. And you know, there's this little arms race there of acquisitions and how do we bolster where we're headed, whether it's you know turning into video or more data. It, they are very heavy into acquisition. And um, now you're going to have a war chest at Sport Radar as well. And they'll be bidding. Like if I'm one of the target companies, more bidders, more money. If, if I've got Genius and Radar coming after me, I'd be very interested to see how, you know, who values what and where, what lengths they're willing to go to win certain targets. One thing I would imagine kind of on the long-term horizon of both these companies is the metaverse. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm did glad you, did that you, I'm the one doing Wait, did you say intro. horizon by, by, by accident or did you mean because of the SPAC, the, you know, Bully SPAC was horizon too? <laughs> to totally accident. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> but, you know, but people will ask, say, wait, it was Novi Williams really clever? Was he still delirious from the run? All right. <laughs> Maybe I in the back of my mind. But yes, totally. Uh, that, was a, uh, that, that was a coincidence of, of, of verbiage. Um, but Scott, the, the metaverse it's a word gets tossed around increasingly, I feel like, across a, a lot of the businesses that we cover. Our colleague Jacob Feldman did a great primer on the metaverse and what it means for the sports industry. At Sportico this week, I recommend people who are curious look at it because Jacob does a really good job of breaking down what is an extremely complex topic. Uh, Scott, since I'm doing the little intro, I'll kick it to you for the fun part. Oh, no. Uh, give people a sense in, in, in kind of your own words or in a short sum what the metaverse is and, and, and what maybe the consequences are here. Uh, yeah, that wasn't nice of you. I'm supposed to be kicking that hard part to you and you give it to me because nobody needed the the primer on Metaverse more than I did. And I, and I shot Jacob a note saying, thank you. And our editors, thanks for this at this time, just like Brendan did when he did a SPAC primer before any, anybody else. And I was like, all right, really good. Happy we did this. All right. In short, and you steer me in, in direction here. In yeah. short, it's sort of there are multiple digital worlds out there, much like Zed Run or in a training space, there's something called Sensorina. That, that works with, with sports teams and, and virtual reality training. In short, it's sort of combining all of the different elements of what these, these digital companies can do. So like you and I could go to a virtual bar mitzvah and be hanging out together at a place while we could also incorporate some sports betting there and, and all the different worlds coming together. And that is in short, the metaverse. And what I took away most from Jacob's piece was, what does it mean for sports right now? And it was like, not all that much. It's This is probably all going to be on different platforms. Um, and this includes blockchain and you can the, 
do buying and selling and e-commerce in, in, in the metaverse as well in different places, but it'll be a slow go. You have the uh, the ability to go and read his piece, digest it, dabble in maybe one area, and then see where it goes. I'm, I'm not going to name the pro sports team owner that I was speaking with, but one pro sports team owner did tell me about sort of this digital real estate development world where you buy plots of virtual land and each plot was made more valuable based on who your neighbors were now again this isn't this isn't like you drive somewhere and there's my plot of land there's my house this is all virtual and i guess you could go out and have a conversation with your virtual neighbor while you're watering your virtual lawns and do business in this neighborhood. But that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. When you marry all of those worlds together, that falls under the umbrella of metaverse. How did the old man do? Nice work, Scott. Very Thank good. You. That's Thank good. You. Yeah. Um, I think for the uh, the best example of the metaverse that I can think of in pop culture, at least for anyone who's who's watched or read Ready Player One, the, the video game where, where most people in that world kind of spend all their free time. That is a perfect example of a, of a persistent digital world where people are constantly coming in and out of and they can hang out with each other. They can buy things, they can sell things, they can do adventures, all that all in one place. In the in the real world, Scott, and I know your son is a Fortnite player. I think Fortnite may have has, has probably done the best job. Oh, at hold this on. Right I, I feel I feel I feel as if he's been impugned. He is now 12 <laughs> and he is cool and he has told me that that is not cool for him anymore. I'm sorry. Wow. I'm sorry, Fortnite, but that is not cool for him anymore. Now it's about, uh, I'll even, COD, okay. Call of Duty Call and of Duty. some of the other games. Yes, but also big, by the way, and shout out to Rob Manfred. I hope you're listening. Huge on Major League Baseball, the show, all his friends are playing the show. You can, he's, it was really funny, Evan, that he calls me his dad, dad, I got my, he pulled a Mike Trout card, by the way. He and his friends were screaming in delight that they pulled the rarest of the rare diamond card, whatever this means. Mike Trout, obviously a good player, but they do the all time. You can do an all time roster. So he'll sit there. Hey, dad, dad, he knows every player in major league baseball. And so if we watch a highlight, he names people I've never heard of. He knows like the second baseman on the Astros. He knows the second, third baseman on the Royals, whoever these people are. He knows everybody immediately, which is amazing to me. But he's like, hey, dad, is this a good lineup? Like leading off Jackie Robinson, batting second, Wade Boggs. <laughs> it, he has no idea. Then I showed him the Wade Boggs riding start. on the horse <laughs> video, right? He's like, oh, that's so cool. You know, so it's really sparked a conversation. And man, I hope the other sports are watching. This is how the kids here is my focus group of one, right? This is how the kids are engaging. So tell me all you want about MLB's aging demographic. Scream in the wind all you want. I'm telling you, Rob Manfred and the rest of you owners, the kids are engaging with Major League Baseball. He wants to go outside and play catch. Is it play catch, have a catch? I always said have a catch. He wants. We went to the Mets game the other day, all prompted by this. It was 99 freaking degrees and I was dying. <laughs> but thank you, Pete Alonzo, for a walk-off home run to make everybody you know, be excited and leave. But he knows all the people because of the video games. Who cares if he's not sitting watching three hours? Figure out a way to monetize. I know I'm way off base and what the heck we were talking about, but there you go. 
No, you're not off base. I think this is I think this is why the metaverse is something that has to be on the forefront of people in sports right now is because this is an idea that may seem foreign to to people like you and I, Scott, but does not seem all that foreign right, uh, to right. people who are the generation you, below yes, us. You were talking about Fortnite and yeah. what what struck me a while back, and you were saying they may have done a better job than everybody else. You're right was the Marshmallow concert in Fortnite. And Mm -hmm. oh my God, how many people showed up for a Marshmallow concert? I hadn't even heard of Marshmallow at that point, but my son was telling me he's got to attend the concert tonight. And I was like, wait, what? What concert? Where are you going? What what do you mean? And he said, no, 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 it's in Fortnite. So luckily I have him to explain this stuff to me like probably a couple months before like it it gets to me just through osmosis. But I'm just like, Okay, and then I find out that I'm reading about it, and I see it. And I'm like, wow, like a million people attended or whatever. That's a metaverse event. Yeah, that's right there. a metaverse, right? And, yeah. and if I'm the Washington football team, and I'm thinking about how I'm going to unveil the jerseys and new team name when I do, why not do part of that at a live event inside Fortnite, where you're giving out the jersey as a skin for free to everyone who attends? These are the things that I think sports teams, league executives need to be thinking about is because, as you said, that this is where a lot of the young people are congregating. The one other thing before we move on, you mentioned Zed Run. I think Zed Run is kind of the other part of this conversation, which is that there may be just new sports <laughs> that, that pop up in that digital world. And and, and that's a, a platform for folks who aren't familiar with it, where you buy, sell, breed horses. You can run them in digital arenas all, all around the world. It's a, it's a fairly vibrant economy um, in a future, as Jacob actually points out in his piece, where all these kind of digital worlds connect and you can take your horse that you bred and bought on Zed Run and you can put it in Fortnite and have it race within that world. And people who are logged into their Facebook digitally can watch it via Facebook. That is kind of the connected ecosystem uh, that, that people are looking forward to at some point in the future. So not only is it relevant for the current existing structure around sports in the U.S., but there's going to be platforms like Zed Run that pop up that are kind of new sports to a degree inside the digital world as well. I remind everyone I'm a proud user of the cable bundle. Eben, you wanted to finish with the NCA Constitutional Convention. Tell me what we know. Tell me what I need to know. Yeah, we can do this real quick. The the, the Constitutional Committee that the NCA put together, um, they, they had their first meeting this week. The the NCAA essentially said that the meeting went well. They're going to start soliciting advice and thoughts from across the three divisions. Um, this is the early stages of what the NCAA promises is going to be a dramatic reshifting of, of the way it does governance, one that takes a lot of the authority away from the central idea of the NCAA and maybe disperses it to individual divisions and even kind of within that individual conferences. So I'm skeptical about these changes until they actually happen because this is exactly the process they promised with name, image, and likeness. And then they decided not to ratify it when it came time to, uh, to vote on the new changes. But it does at least seem like we are heading towards, and the committee has already started soliciting advice, we're heading towards a, a massive sea change in the way that the NCAA operates. If I could trail two people in college sports these days, one would be George Klyukov, the, uh, the new commissioner of the Pac-12. He's got media deals. He's got people banging on his door. Do you want to have allegiances to fight the, uh, the SEC and, the, and Texas, <laughs> Oklahoma? And of course, the other would be Greg Sankey, the, uh, the commissioner of the SEC, because he just may be the most powerful man in college sports and climbing the ladder in sports in general these days. But that's what I got for you. 
Yeah, I think that's I think that's exactly right. And and again, the the the, the end result of this, if it goes the way that the NCA seems to be hinting at it, is that the rules that govern the richest conferences are going to be very different than the rules that, co- that govern everybody else. And we are already in a world where the conferences are supremely powerful. But in that scenario, the richest conferences become even more powerful. So th- there's no question that the move by Oklahoma and Texas um, to the SEC, which is going to happen at some point in the next three years, we just don't know when, that is something that is kind of d- deliberately tailored towards a world where the super conference is extra super or more super than it would have been under the current NCA governance structure. Speaking of becoming more powerful, Mr. Novi Williams, we are we are inching toward you and I and Sportico. We're inching toward the first edition to the Sportico Podcast Network. Whoa. We're not gonna not gonna <laughs> spill any beans yet. We are inching toward there How's could that for be a tease? could be maybe might be should be possibly an, an announcement. Uh, we'll make it on our show coming soon. I am extremely excited for what we are planning now. What we have well, to do will is we pull still it up. be the flagship? Yeah, I think no matter okay. no matter how much somebody <laughs> surpasses us or everybody else surpasses us in every measure, we are the flagship. We started. We, okay, we, let's we got people's that. attention first. <laughs> exactly. All right. He is Edmund Novi Williams on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. Cora Veltman, our social media editor, likes me to remind you that the show is at Sportacast, which is and always will be, no matter how big we get, the hub yes. of the Sportico Podcast Network. <laughs> <laughs>